What if a minister at a wedding ceremony asks, is there anyone here who has any reason why these two should not be joined together? Do so now. Speak or forever hold your peace. And your question is, if somebody says, yes. Um, then that minister is in trouble. Okay? Because if since you call for it, you have to listen to whatever they have to say. That's why I don't do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, but but let me tell you, let me tell you though, that that the reason I used to do it when I started. Some of you who knew me when I started doing it will know that I used to. But then after a while, started thinking about the question, what would you do if somebody said that? Okay, that's why in my counseling session, I did ask them, I said, before I marry you, wife, there should be no secret that your husband doesn't know. Husband, there should be no secret your wife doesn't know. I'm going to go out of the room. Tell each other. If there's any secret, reveal it. Or if you go home, those of you who've been through my marriage counseling know this. Okay, if you go home, sit down and talk about it. If there's anything that is under the carpet that needs to be revealed, reveal it to uh, each other. Okay? Because your marriage is your marriage. It's nobody's business. That's why nobody should stop a wedding ceremony after you have put all that money, all that time, uh, everything in it, and somebody telling you, no, you can't do it. Okay? Uh, and I think there are legitimate reasons why people could object. Maybe you have three kids with somebody that you've never taken care of them. And they say, I want to warn you, he is a deadbeat. <laughs> you know, or polygamy, which you didn't reveal to anybody, but it's against the law. And one of your wives is sitting there, and they can object to it. You know, uh, so I, I think any minister that knows what they're doing or to counsel people who are trying to get married. In fact, not only do I counsel you about issues, uh, I even raise issues that are not issues. And you have to deal with them. And not only that, we strictly will go through the budget. If you, I even ask you what your credit score is. The other person needs to know your credit score before they marry you. They need to know whether you owe money that's going to become the debt for both of you. You know, so there are a lot of things dealing with marriage that I believe a minister ought to get into. And if they ever tell me it's none of my business, then I'll say, go to Reno because I ain't going to marry you. Amen. Okay. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> but, but, that <laughs> but that is the reason why I don't ask that question because I feel that question should have been dealt with by the minister in premarital counseling. Yes. Oh, 
Yeah. No, you don't have to ask. No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, are we all clear? All right. Yes. I knew somebody was going to ask that question. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, to be frank with you, I don't. And I, I think I was talking with somebody as far as where was the, ori the origin of that. And I believe it's probably because uh, uh, there were a lot of, uh, especially in the Catholic Church, you know that in the I'm going to deal with a question dealing with the Catholic Church that if you get married in the Catholic Church, it's not actually the state that licenses your marriage. It's the church that licenses your marriage. The state license doesn't mean anything to the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church is like a country, you know, and they have their own laws. And, and if you get married with the Catholic Church, you cannot get divorced without the Catholic Church granting that divorce. And not only with the divorce, divorce or annulment, it will be based on you presenting your case to a special council that's set up, that's made up of bishops, you know, they're going to decide, yes. <laughs> Baptists, Baptists, Baptists accept anything. <laughs> If, uh, if, let's say your marriage was done by the Catholic Church, okay, you still have to get that annulment, I believe. Yeah, to, to transact business with the Catholic Church. But if you already got a state or, a, you know, divorce, then it's fine if you come into a Baptist church. But if you're still in a Catholic Church, your, your marriage, you're living in adultery. If the Catholic Church they don't annul it and give you the divorce, yes. Okay, you have to say that again. No, no, no. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, as far as the Bible is concerned, as far as the Bible is concerned, the only acceptable reason for divorce is marital unfaithfulness. That's the only reason for a divorce, according to the Bible. Now, even that, the Bible says you don't have to divorce, but that is the only acceptable reason. Any other reason, if you get a divorce even from President Obama, you're still living in adultery if you marry somebody else. According to the Bible, according to the Bible, you can say, I have my papers, I'm divorced, but if it's not marital unfaithfulness, you are still married in the sight of God. And if you marry somebody else, you're committing adultery and you're causing them to commit adultery. Okay. 
Oh, from the movie? Yeah, uh, you being the bad one. <laughs> okay. Yes, somebody else has a question? Yes. Well, if for a long time, and I don't have my Greek Bible with me, for a long time people have uh, interpreted that to mean fornication. Fornication stroke adultery. In other words, you married, you get in sexual relationship with someone that is not married. That's fornication for them. That's adultery for you. Okay? Uh, that is that has been all you get married and you get involved with somebody else that is married. So that will also be adultery. So that will be the strict interpretation of the word. But the Greek word actually when it's properly translated says marital unfaithfulness. If you're not faithful to your marital vow, Let's say your husband be the crap out of you. That's marital unfaithfulness. Uh, there could be other things, but it has to be proven that it goes against the vows that they made in the presence of God and the people. So the, the vows, if you listen to the vows, at least today, vows are really different, but they all have the same content, you know. If you come up with something unique, you may be going against the biblical mandate for vows. Is you got to promise that you're going to be with that person for the rest of your life. Okay? You got to promise that it doesn't matter what happens financially, what happens socially, what happens whatever, you, uh, medically, you're not going to leave the person. Okay? Let's say. Your husband got in an accident. They can't walk anymore. You say sayonara. That, div that divorce ain't going to work. Okay? So. No. Well, again, it cannot be just on sex. Uh, and it does not have to be just physical sex, you know, because Jesus said, if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery. Okay? So, if, if we are, or, or the woman looking at a man lustfully committed adultery, so, uh, technically speaking, Nearly everybody has reason for divorce. Well, I didn't. I won't say everybody. I said nearly everybody has reason for divorce, unless you're a liar. Okay. Say that didn't apply. I didn't do that. You know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes, Dickon Allen. Yes, sir. As long as we repent. Mm -hmm. 
they'll be in hell right now. Yeah. Paul, Paul, the apostle, will be in hell too. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, thank you for bringing that up. And I think that's the reason why, when you see it, the the uh, and I can correct this later on if I'm wrong, but the account in Matthew and the account in Mark, uh, only one of them, and I don't want to say which one, I believe it's probably the one in, in Matthew that gives the condition, okay? As far as God is concerned, he basically said, I hate divorce. So whatever it is, work it out, okay? Uh, but there has to be in his system, spiritual system speaking, not legal system, a way to let the husband go or to let the wife go in the relationship. So God provided that. It doesn't mean you need to use it, but you can use it if there's a need to separate. Yeah, all right, thanks. Okay, my comments, I, I, I was trying to do this. Let me read it. Uh, my comments should be viewed. Uh, this is the question that was asked, and I forgot to uh, state the question exactly, but the person basically said that in my message, I mentioned uh, last week, I mentioned that only ministers can marry people. Okay? Remember this. If you hold me for every statement I make in my message and don't take them in the context in which I made them, I probably would be in jail by now. Okay, so let me explain uh, what I was saying. Um, I'm saying no one in the United States can marry somebody else without authorization. Okay, the minister has authorization from God. And that authorization is recognized by the state. I don't have to go to the city council to get a license to marry anybody. That license has been given to me by the great head of the church. Okay. But if Rosalind wants to marry, let's say there's somebody in Rosalind's family, they respect Rosalind, and they said, well, we don't know the pastor very well. We want Rosalind to do our marriage. Rosalind has to go to the county and has to get a license for one day. And that license expires after the marriage. And the danger in that also is this. There is a paper that you fill out as a minister. That if Rosalind did not fill it out by the time her license expires, you are not married. <laughs> okay, you know, she did everything. She was excited about marrying you, but she didn't put the paper in. And you went there to the county. You said, I need, I need to get a new driver's license because I, I just changed my name to... Let's say spruce. Okay? 
and I, I need my uh, certificate of license that shows, shows that I just got married. They say, uh, who married you? Rosalind. Uh, she didn't file the paper. So you've been living in sin. <laughs> so that's why it's, uh, well, let, let, me, let, me, let me answer the question step by step. Number one, I, I mentioned that, number one, no marriage is valid in the Roman Catholic Church unless it is done by the priest. And it's, it's sanctioned by the Roman Catholic Church. It doesn't matter what the county does. The county can give you 10 certificates. If you're a Catholic, it doesn't work. Uh, it could be legal, but the church doesn't recognize. Baptists are more open than Catholics. We will accept them as being legal, but not appropriate. Listen carefully. If you got married in Reno, we have no problem with it. As long as you got a license, but we think it's not appropriate. Because you are under the umbrella of God. You are under the church, and the church gave you a leader. I mean, I'm sorry, the, the, the Lord gave you a leader. The Lord gave you a covering over you. That covering should not be taken by Elvis. It should be done by the bonafide pastor, shepherd, under shepherd that God has given to you. So uh, it's okay, you know, you're legally married and you can serve as an officer in the church, uh, but the marriage is not appropriate. Because you should have taken it through the correct route because you are a Christian and it is important that your marriage be performed by a Christian instead of you going to a judge or you going to a non-Christian to perform your marriage. That's one. Uh, my question also is why will a Christian want somebody other than their pastor or associate minister to perform their marriage? Why, why would you? If you say you are a Christian, why would you want to go to Elvis to marry you? Especially somebody impersonating Elvis. Uh, and number, uh, another question that relates to that is, marriages are not just about the wedding ceremony. People who are getting married should spend time with their church leader in counseling. Many, uh, many people spend more time on the marriage ceremony and they forget the really important part of the marriage. So you spend 20000 on a marriage that's going to break up in two weeks. In Hollywood, some of them don't even last two weeks. And they spend millions of dollars. So it's not about the ceremony. Uh, the ceremony probably lasts about an hour, right? But some of you spent at least eight weeks or more with me, you know? So it's really important. And uh, by the way, the same apply to burials. If we're not careful very soon, some people are going to be asking that their dogs will bury them.
I mean, that is the way we're moving. So it doesn't matter. It's no longer sacred. Whether it be burial ceremony or whether it's marriage ceremony, it's, if you are a Christian, you are under God, you are in the church. The church is the body of Christ, and Christ is the head of the church, and he has established an order in the church. That order means your shepherd should be doing your ceremony. Amen. Um, also, there's something the state accepts that we don't. It's called common law marriage. You've been in sin long enough. That the county or the government said you're now a pro, so you're married. It's legal, but it's not biblical. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I believe in California, is common law seven years or twelve? Okay. Legally speaking, okay. Say, so, uh, as far as he knows, right? Should I put it that way? Okay, for legal purposes, yeah. But I, I do know people who were consummated as married because of the length of years. Yeah. Okay. But again, you know, just because the law allows it doesn't mean we're going to. Okay. The law of California, for example, right now, accepts gay marriage, lesbian marriages. We don't accept that. Because the Bible says no. Okay. Yes. I think all divorces have to be legal. In other words, there has to be a legal uh, establishment that you were married. Yeah. If they're poor, just take off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, the next uh, question. Let's, you know, how much time do we have? Okay. <laughs> um. I know that anything that has to do with politics and Obama has the potential to be volatile. But I have a question. If it is in fact true that Obamacare is funding abortions, 
when we were told that it would not, why would we expect God to hear our prayers for the United States to be successful against ISIS or ISIS, however they pronounce that, and other terrorist groups when we have sanctioned murder against the most innocent in our own country? Uh, and that, of course, is you know abortion. What should we be praying for? Well, that's a very difficult question. And I believe it's a question dealing with both politics and religion. Okay, so this is the way I will answer it. And I know that my answer is going to be inadequate. So I'll leave it open for a few minutes if anybody wants to add to that. And we can, you know, talk back and forth because we try to do this on question and answer Sunday anyway. Because you may have something to add to it that I don't have. So I, I want to begin by stating what I believe is universally true, that the United States of America is not a Christian government. Okay, So uh, it is a secular society, and therefore we cannot expect United States to have Christian principles used in the standard of government. Okay? Uh, I've heard a lot of people, especially, you know, uh, when you're going around churches, churches tend to say we live in a Christian society. No, we don't. I mean, you know that. I found that out when I went to a, an event that had so many people when I was on the Marine Interfaith Council. Now, this is an interfaith council. And I prayed in the name of Jesus. And I got letters. People telling me they were offended. And I said, uh, you knew when you called me to say the prayer, I was the pastor of the Village Baptist Church. Okay. I don't have time for your foolishness. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, you know, we need to understand that, that we live in a country that is more and more becoming heathenistic. Number two, it's also very clear that abortion is murder. And it is sin. And sin is sin. How many people believe sin is sin? Sin is sin. How many of you believe sin is not sin depending on the condition? Okay. So we are all together. Right? That sin is sin. It doesn't matter what condition it is. Okay. If sin is sin, any murder is sin. Any murder is not better than the other one. So... My thing is that I think sometimes we Christians need to be as uh, comprehensive as we should. In other words, deal with every sin. And don't just focus on one. There are a lot of people who will fight and scream and shout because of abortion. 
but will not fight, scream, and shout when the poor are being oppressed. And both are expressed in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. I know a lot of people, a lot of friends that I have, some of them are pastors that will support Israel no matter what Israel is doing. And they tie it to the fact that our faith kind of originated in that area. And there are promises in the Bible which I don't really agree with them uh, interpretation-wise. But that uh, there are promises in the Bible that say something about Israel doing this and doing that. So I think that sometimes we need to be as comprehensive as possible and understand that any sin is sin. It doesn't matter. And we should not just emphasize one and uh, wink at the other one. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I may be sounding like, uh, uh, you know, I'm here and there, here and there. But it's because it is a very difficult issue to deal with. It's, it's difficult in the sense that no one can deny that abortion is sin. But I don't think there's anybody here either that can deny that the war we fought in Iraq killed more than 100,000 innocent Iraqis. But many of us were praying that we'd be successful in that fight. Uh, some of you probably not going to like me after this. Well, anyone that pretends that they know what God is going to do because of sin is just talking nonsense. Especially if you know yourself. You can be looking at me now sophisticated, but you are a sinner. In fact, the psalmist said, if God names iniquity, which one of us can stand? That's a rhetorical question. And I think that some of the, and I don't want to take anything lightly. I don't want to, you know, uh, look at something and say, well, that's not really important. But some of us think that some sins are worse than others. Some of you are going to commit a lot of sins when you get home today. One that I know is if you go out for dinner, you're going to overeat. Some of us are going for a birthday party today, and I'm probably going to eat as much as they put in front of me. Okay, so... Theologically, I don't see God siding on the corner of Muslims. That's just me. Even if I don't pray, I think God's justice is going to be done. But I also understand 
that when I'm dealing with God, his ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thought. As the heavens are higher, so are his ways from my ways and his thoughts from my thoughts. But that is not an excuse to say that I don't know what God's ways are. I may not know all of them, but there are 66 books to tell me what he wants me to do. I'm always really interested in people who say, I want to know God's will. It's in the Bible. In fact, many times he said, this is the will of God for you. How plain could that be? Several times, this is the will of God for you. So we can say we need to depend on his revealed word to guide us in what we need to do. Number one, we ought to understand that we Christians are responsible for praying for the kingdom of God to be revealed to all people. We are responsible for that. Uh, And we are responsible also for living in repentance and confession. Number one, because you don't know when you're going to die. Another issue we have is, how do you interpret the Bible? How do you interpret the Bible? Should the Bible be interpreted by having the Old Testament tell us what the bottom line is? Or should the Bible be interpreted by having the New Testament tell us what the bottom line is? We have a lot of preachers and a lot of Sunday school teachers and a lot of cell group leaders here. Can you all help me out? Okay. We have... Yeah. Yes. Or even changed. Yes. So therefore. There will be no need for the new. Read the book of Hebrews. There will be no need for the new. If the old was still valid. There are cases. In which. What we have in the new. Takes away what was in the old. Because the old. Is the shadow of the new. It's not the other way around. The new is not the shadow of the old, but the old is the shadow of the new. That's why it is called a kinediatheke, the new covenant. That's what the New Testament is. It's a new covenant. And if you read the book of Hebrews, especially if you read uh, uh, chapter 8, you will get a clear understanding of what the voice of God is and the will of God is that when Jesus came, history became his story. And whatever 
he says, is the final authority. I always really interesting to me when some people tell me it's written in red. <laughs> okay. That's King James Red Letter Edition. But all of the New Testament is God's word. It's not just those that are written in red. <laughs> it's hard to read. I find the whole Bible hard to read. <laughs> The best way to do that is before you start reading, pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help you to understand. And we Baptists believe in the competency of each soul before God. And that means we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit in revealing and in enlightening. We call, we call it the ministry of the Holy Spirit to reveal the hidden things to us. You know, and therefore, so if I wrote you a letter and you don't understand it, you're not going to call Dick and Allen, right? You're going to say, can you tell me what Reverend Akonyo meant by this? No, you call me. The Holy Spirit wrote it. Call him and tell him, please help me to understand what you just wrote. And, and uh, I, I, I guarantee you, not only that, but not only reading it on your own, but being in the company of other believers, it helps. Cell group, Sunday school, that helps you to understand more. Okay. All right. Whatever the case, let us go back. Oh, no. I think that's it, unless somebody has something to add to it. Anybody has something to add to it? Okay, I can use about another seven minutes. Okay, when does sex become sin? Okay. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna have uh, we're probably gonna have fun uh, this Wednesday. Uh, uh, Getting a little bit deeper into that since I don't have that much time. Uh, but please understand this. When I answer this question, I'm only answering it based on the Bible. Okay? I don't have any expertise in psychology. And I don't have any expertise in sociology. The Bible. And I'm not basing it on the standard that the government puts on you. Because we Baptists, one of our distinctives is that we believe that the Bible is the sole authority in matters of faith and practice. We Baptists. That's why we're different from Catholics. Catholics believe not just in the Bible, the 66 books that we have, they also accept other books that are called the Apocrypha that we don't accept. But not only that, they also accept tradition. 
a standard which we don't accept. So when you hear the word sola scriptura, that's what we're talking about. We Baptists. And most Protestants believe that the Bible alone should be our guide in matters of faith and practice. Are you still with me? So, let, let me make some statements. Sexual sins are not the unforgivable sin. If they were, I wonder how many of the people here will be going to hell. But it's important for us to know what the Bible says about sex and sexual relationships. Christians should never be dogmatic about the issues the Bible does not address. And I know, you know, some Christians would die on some things that are not even worth dying for. If the Bible didn't mention it, you just made it up. Maybe you were raised in a, in a, in a family that, you know, named some things to be taboo. Understand that it's your taboo. It may not be mine. So, let's go back to the original question. When does sex become sin? When it is outside of marriage. Hebrews 13 verse 4. When it is outside of marriage, it is sin. So, when you go home today, go repent. Unless you were doing it in your marriage. Now, Christians, again, let me emphasize. Christians should never be dogmatic about issues the Bible does not address. For example, the Bible does not directly address the issues of wet dreams. Yeah, but he also referred in the Old Testament that we should kill goats. Even, I mean, at this point, I'm not particularly concerned about the context because some of the things that were mentioned had to do with ritual services. Well, I'm not going to go that far, okay, because wet dreams don't just appear, right? 
it may be because of the junk you put in yourself. You know, so uh, again, I'm saying I'm not a psychologist and I'm not going to deal with that. Okay, the only thing that I want to emphasize is if the Bible doesn't talk about it, don't be dogmatic about it. Okay, if the Bible says people who have spilled the seed should not appear before the altar, it's talking about the Old Testament altar sacrifices and worship. We don't do that anymore. The Bible also says if you having your period, you should not go to the service. To the women. We may have our church empty every week. <laughs> anyway. So the, the, point, the point that I'm trying to uh, uh, emphasize is if the Bible doesn't deal with it, don't be dogmatic about it. If the Bible gives you the principle for dealing with it, then deal with it. For example, masturbation. The Bible gives us principles. For married people, uh, sexual relationship is to give God the glory. Amen? Amen? Praise God. That's why you praise God during it too. Amen. And you can have a worship service right after. <laughs> no, but but I am serious before the Lord. I, I believe that married people should enjoy each other. Don't let society put taboos on you. If the Bible... Seven minutes is up. <laughs> okay. Uh, to married people, please, please, married people, be free in the Lord because God put you in a marriage situation so you can enjoy one another. Amen. Every now and then you need to read 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It will make your marriage better. And as Hebrews uh, 13, 4 says, it will make the marriage bed better. 
nothing should be prohibited in your marriage relationship unless God says no. Or, your wife is not comfortable with it. Or your husband is not comfortable with it. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Michael, you should put an earphone on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So uh, the, the major point, the major point is that how do you know this thing that I'm doing is not right? If Jesus were there, will you do it? That's uh, me. If Jesus were there, I'll be praising him too. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Say, get, get, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, but it's really important. Uh, I didn't. I didn't even know. I, I didn't see Hannah here too. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, but but again, again, especially to the young people. We have some young people here. Okay. When somebody tells you it's only this, if it's not in marriage, it is wrong. Okay? Oral sex is sex. Amen. Amen. I, I don't want to go too deep into that. But, <laughs> uh, but let me give you some passages that you need to look at that will help you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. I already gave you 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the whole chapter, verses 1 through 40. In fact, verse 1, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 tells you it's very clear there that any sex that's not in marriage is not acceptable. And if you're dating somebody, they should graduate into some things. You don't automatically start holding somebody's hand because you're dating. They should earn that. 
and then hugging and then you know but when it gets to the place where your mind begins to go farther than it's supposed to go you know you're in the area of awon and amatia that's the two words uh, hebrew for sin and greek for sin amen lights okay hebrews chapter 13 verse 4 i already gave you that colossians chapter 3 Colossians chapter 3 and Genesis chapter 2 verses 23 and 24 and 1 John 1 9. I hope I did a little bit that can help you. Let's thank God for everything he has given us including sex. Amen. Amen. Yes, Deacon Allen. Deacon Allen is going to give the benediction. <laughs> yes. Oh, I didn't say that. My wife said that. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think we all know that, but we still sin, right? <laughs> How many people here think God doesn't see them when they sin? You still do it, right? That's why they put that thing around neck people in a lanyard that says WWWJD or something like that. What will Jesus do? Okay, so sometimes... It's good. It's a good practice to ask yourself, if Jesus was standing right next to me, will I do it? You know, if Jesus were hearing what I'm saying, will it be okay? Because sometimes, you know, the way you talk to some people, you won't be talking to them like that if you were in church. Because when you get here, you get all holy. At least until you get to the parking lot. <laughs> what a mighty God we serve. And uh, he's, he's, he's not in our life to kill our joy. He's in our lives to make our joy full. And he wants to bless us beyond our imagination.